But I'm telling you, the the ethos and the work ethic in some of those rural communities is unbelievable. But let's face it, sometimes they don't have the best uh, broadband or connectivity and, yeah. and some of the AP programs. And so what I've done is, is to make sure that those kids in those rural, smaller communities have access to all of the same programs and the AP classes uh, that the kids do in some of those uh, the bigger bigger schools across the states. According to the Rural School and Community Trust, 9.3 million students in the United States attended a school in a rural district in 2019. That means nearly one in five American students attends a rural school. Delivering a high quality education in these areas can be difficult. What are some of the challenges rural schools face? Which teaching and enrichment tools can enhance rural students' experience? And how can government officials create better access and equity for students in rural areas? This is what I want to know. And today I'm joined by Governor Kevin Stitt to find out. Kevin Stitt is the 28th governor of Oklahoma, having served since 2019. Prior to taking office, he founded Gateway Mortgage Company in 2000, which now operates in 42 states and services more than $20 billion in residential mortgages. Governor Stitt is in his second term in office following re-election in November 2022. He has increased teacher pay and public education funding, expanded school choice options, and more. He joins us today to discuss the challenges faced in rural schools, and how we can give the best possible education to all students. Governor Stitt, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be with you. You know, we met several years ago, if you remember, in, uh, in Nashville. And um, I was struck at the time by your commitment to a quality education for all students. And uh, since then, you know, it is clear that you've demonstrated that commitment You've done things like increased teacher pay and uh, funding for public schools. Uh, you know, I'm a big advocate for school choice. You've moved the needle. But what is it? what inspired you prior to getting in the office to really have this commitment around education? Yeah, well, first off, I mean, I, I think that's the cornerstone of what we're supposed to do as, as governors is we're supposed to uh, do four things, and that is Make sure we have the best education for our kids, because regardless of where you're out on the political spectrum or where you live in the state, we really all want the same thing. So we all want for that next generation and our our individual children to have every opportunity possible to be successful. And so I always remind the legislature and Oklahomans, let Washington, D.C. play politics. We're all Oklahomans. Let's just make our state top 10. And that's education. It's infrastructure. Uh, it's it's the economy and it's healthcare and those are the four mm. things that I always focus on. But education is so critical. Uh, making sure we remove the roadblocks. Uh, we know that every kid is des- you know learns differently. God puts different desires and abilities in everybody's heart for for different programs, different career paths. And I just want to expose those children to uh, what is possible and get them the right mentors and pathways, whether it's to become a a welder or an electrician or a, uh, an, an engineer or an aviation mechanic. And so that's what we're trying to focus on in Oklahoma. Well, you know, it's interesting because, um, again, one of the reasons why I wanted you on the show, Governor, is uh, Nebraska 
it, 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 like Oklahoma, I had some, the teacher of the year from Nebraska talk about the challenges and opportunities in rural communities. And your state happens to have more rural communities than many other states. And yet we don't always see the focus on those particular challenges that exist in states like Oklahoma. Why is that, do you think? Well, I mean, uh, I think some of our big metro areas kind of suck up all the oxygen and, and people kind of focus on those more more so than the rural areas. But I'm telling you, uh, you know, uh, the, the ethos and the work ethic in some of those rural communities is unbelievable. Uh, but let's face it, sometimes they don't have the best uh, broadband or connectivity and, yeah. and some of the AP programs. And so what I've done is is to make sure that those kids in those rural, smaller communities have access to all of the same programs and the AP classes uh, that the kids do in some of those uh, the bigger bigger schools across the state. So the other thing that's important is, is that's why school choice and more options and more schools is so important to give every kid the opportunity that just because you're in a certain zip code or uh, maybe your parents don't have the resources, we believe school choice should be for every single kid, not just for those that can afford it or are lucky enough to be in certain zip codes. And so that's why I fight so hard to give more options to parents and to make sure every kid has the right to a quality education, depending on whatever they, whatever they want and wherever they want, their parents feel like this is best for them. And what we're seeing is that, you know, those choice options do matter. And what is interesting about the rural challenges that, that I've looked at is there are many rural communities, Governor, I, I don't know about your state, but there are many rural communities that because they've had budget cuts, uh, they aren't able to offer enough credits for their graduates to even apply to the local state college. You've expanded funding to make sure that some of these uh, communities are getting the resources they need. Talk about that challenge, because when it comes to materials, you mentioned broadband, when, it talks to, when you talk about classroom needs, many rural communities around the country are experiencing significant challenges, which leads to less innovative education offerings. How are you addressing that? Yeah, well, First off, like you said, uh, you know, part of that is is the internet connectivity. So we set a goal to have 95% of our state with high-speed internet by the year 2028. So I put mm. together a council. So we're getting that. We did a study of where are the underserved areas in our state from a connectivity standpoint, because we had to first get that done so we can pipe in those AP classes or those best classes to those, to those young people. Uh, the other thing I want to, uh, you know, address is just more schools. And, and so we just set up an aviation academy. And the reason that's important, and that's happened to be in Norman, it's kind of our first test. Uh, so when you're a junior in high school, if you want to be an A&P mechanic or a pilot, you can go to a specific high school now and you can become an A&P mechanic. American Airlines has a large, large, their largest actually maintenance and repair facility located in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Hmm. Their starting salary for an A&P mechanic is 70000 a year. And so we want those young people to understand that by the time they graduate from high school, they could be ready for a great career. So then we set up 300 million in funding for other rural communities to be able to tap in to that specific funding if they wanted to set up similar type programs. And maybe it's a maybe it's a welding program, or maybe it's a different type of a program, or maybe it's a it's a 
special hiring more teachers uh, for a specific program to get their workforce ready to go. Um, we also did red, uh, what we call a red bud funding, which is specifically targeted to rural schools because we understand the discrepancy and we want those rural superintendents, those rural uh, principals to think outside the box. They know their community. They know how to get those kids ready for the workforce and how can we uh, get those fundings directly to them. So there's there's the funding formula when everybody's exactly the same, but then we have these special uh, uh, you know tranches of money that we're trying to encourage people to be innovative with and to think outside the box. So that's kind of how we approach it in Oklahoma. I love the idea of more schools. Uh, and I know you've been a supporter of school choice and charter schools and the like. And, you know, even, you know, private schools and having more robust offerings for kids. When it comes to rural communities, another challenge, even when you have more schools, uh, could be transportation. How do you deal with the transportation challenge, you know, when, when so many uh, kids in, in, in these communities are spread so far apart? Yeah, great, great point. So we secured 14 million in, in federal funding back in 2020 uh, to improve and expand our transit infrastructure. Uh, and we implemented, uh, you know, kind of an Oklahoma public transit um, policy plan. It's the first comprehensive plan we've ever done in our state history because we understand some of those challenges to getting to our career techs uh, and getting to some of our other schools. We passed open transfer. So now a kid can go to any public school that they want This better fits their needs. Uh, but also the career tech, we've got one of the best career tech models in the country and, and trying to partner those career techs with our, with our edu with our, uh, common ed, I think is really, really important as well. And then we're also promoting, uh, you know, kind of dual enrollment, or we want some high school kids and sophomore junior years to start taking some college classes. So when they get to college, they, some cases have 30, 60 hours of college credit, which saves a lot of money. We pay for that as a state um, for those high school kids that maybe are trying to just advance themselves. So all that comes back to transportation. Um, and so we're trying to solve that to make sure, especially in those rural communities, if mom and dad are at work, we're going to go right into the common ed places and we can bust those over to the career tax or some of our two-year colleges. This idea of career education, uh, Candidly, Governor, you, you you know what the political wars are like. You know how divided we are in this country. But career readiness and our traditional educational system is one of the more unifying topics we can see in politics. And I love the fact that you all have a strong career tech focus. But tell me where you think that's headed, because this idea of trying to see if everyone's on a college track doesn't necessarily make sense. And by the way, a lot of colleges, particularly community colleges, but even a lot of our, you know, four-year colleges are understanding the need to prepare young people early on before they get to graduation so that they have skills and certifications and they can move right into their careers. Well, absolutely. I mean, I think for, you know, the last 30 years or so, we've tried to push everybody uh, to higher ed, hey, go become an engineer, or doctor, or lawyer, and and uh, we just realized that you know around 51, 52 percent of Oklahoma kids are going to go to college, uh, but those other those other forty eight percent, they're they're going to be sitting there thinking, well, I'm a failure, or I can't do it, or uh, but man, there are so many great careers. I, I I make the joke when I'm when I'm traveling the state, uh, we have a great you know 
uh, lake here and, and all the big boats called Grand Lake of the northeast part of our state. And I said, hey, guys, you know the biggest boats on Grand Lake? It's not the doctors and the lawyers. It's the electricians, the plumbers, the heat and air, the roofing contractors. And it's, it's, it's so true that uh, those careers uh, are, are so in demand right now. And, and we want to make sure that uh, just because maybe your, your, your bent is, is the connection between your brain to your hands, and that's kind of what you love, we want to encourage that. And I want to tell those young people that, hey, being an A&P mechanic at American Airlines or being a, a plumbing contractor or an electrician, the sky's the limit for you. Uh, and so, or if, if you, if you want to be an electrical engineer and work at Tinker Air Force Base or Boeing or Raytheon, that's fantastic. Our job is to give those individual career plans. And we're starting out as freshmen in high school and trying to make sure that kids know there's several different paths that you could take. And we want to make sure that you have, uh, the right exposure to all those different careers in the state of Oklahoma. So, uh, whether it's career techs or whether it's uh, higher ed, uh, we want those young people to know that they can have a great life and a great family and a great career with what, however, God has uniquely designed them. You know, around the country, uh, Governor, there's been uh, incredible uh, challenges with teacher recruiting, teacher retention. Many teachers are leaving the profession. Uh, COVID sort of exacerbated that. Uh, you did uh, institute increase in teacher pay in your state. But talk about how you can uh, use not just the challenges of the rural communities in education, but the opportunities and the advantages to sort of get better recruiting for new teachers because as as I have seen uh, you know if you if you're a teacher in a rural community then you're always around those students you see them at the supermarket you see them the bowling alley you see them wherever as opposed to many urban environments where when the teacher leaves the building they may not see the kid until the next time they're in class you can build a a learning culture and community uh when everyone knows the families and knows the folks who are around uh helping the kids learn so talk about this idea of how you can recruit teachers to these communities because there's a huge need and it's not just in your state but it's all over the country yeah well, very well said and I, and I think that's part of it is culture and it's 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 encouraging those principles and even from my perspective as the as the governor I'm always promoting that profession you talk about a rewarding career is giving back to that next generation and I know that's that's on the heart of most teachers and coaches that I know. Uh, they don't get in it to get to to uh, to be the richest person in town. They get into it because they know that they're going to make a difference in that next generation. So promoting that number one, setting the right culture, uh, and and appreciating that profession, I think is part of it. Um, obviously, we have to pay market. I came from the business world, so to get the right talent. You have to pay what they're paying in Texas and Arkansas and Missouri and the states around us. And so that's why I'm doing another pay raise this year. I did mm -hmm. one in 2019. We did one in 2018. Uh, we're going to make sure that uh, we pay our teachers what market is. I passed a law last year to pay our best, our mentor teachers, up to $100,000 a year. Because what I was finding was our teachers were then going to becoming principals or superintendents to make more money. And 
And the magic happens when we have those best teachers in the classroom. So we wanted to encourage them uh, to stay in the classroom and be mentor teachers to our younger teachers as well. So that's part of it. Uh, and then also encouraging, we, we set up a bonus plan for recruiting, those kind of things. Uh, but the other thing I think is important is, is encouraging people second careers. And so we have hmm. some teacher certification, alternative teacher certification. So a retired doctor or nurse or or maybe your kids are grown and and you retired from the oil and gas industry and you want to go back and and uh, coach and give back to that next generation. We're trying to encourage more of those the pillars of the community to come back and have a second career and it's rewarding. Uh, and and so whether your kids are still in school or your grandkids, uh, but I think that's very important. And then when you think about the FFA, uh, mm -hmm. some of our ag programs, you're right. Those rural communities. Uh, you're going to be seeing those kids at churches and the grocery store, yeah. the baseball park, and a lot of times our great teachers are are upping or they're being their their coaches on the cheerleading squad yeah. and they're and they're giving back and that's the great thing about our rural community. So uh, maybe there are some disadvantages for being in a rural community and not having all the things and all the conveniences of a bigger city, but man, there's so many advantages of being part of a rural community. You know everybody. Uh, such a such a part of our community that we don't want to lose that uh, in Oklahoma, and I know we don't want to lose that across America. Uh, I wanted to also ask you just a couple more questions, Governor. Is uh, about the mental health challenge and the trauma that we're seeing around the country. I mean, COVID again sort of uh, shined a light on some of these challenges. Uh, so much is coming at these kids fast and at a younger age, and. Uh, I think, frankly, men and, and you know, psychologists and social workers say that many of our kids are on, you know, information overload, if you will. And, you know, the balance that teachers have to to take in terms of making sure they're giving kids the right content and understanding how to uh, use the content. The big challenge is managing the content particularly when you have some of these social challenges, uh, rural communities, like all communities have it. Talk a little bit about the mental health aspect of our kids and, and how the work in our schools can help make a difference in that area. In Oklahoma, we know that uh, some of the larger schools that were shut down, we need to have uh, some of these counselors. So we've been investing in mm -hmm. counselors in our, in our schools. Uh, we've been trying to make sure that the learning loss didn't affect them with more funding for uh, summer school programs, some reading initiatives. Our superintendent is highly focused on this as we looked and saw who was who had the most learning loss and how can we get those kids caught up. Uh, and then in our state, we're also using some ARPA dollars uh, to invest in mental health across the board. Uh, we we uh, we gave the University of Oklahoma their their mental health facility for minors uh, to build a new facility. Uh, because we were seeing that that population grow and the need for that. But I think it comes back to counseling. It comes back to, you know, providing hope. My wife, the Sarah Stitt, uh, she set up a foundation to provide hope across the state, which is really getting that inside the science of hope into our schools to letting mm. these young people know that your future can be better than your than today. And you could do that by setting up pathways uh, to a better future. And really, in teaching and, and teaching those young people that their future can be better than their present, and uh, all those things work in conjunction uh, that we're trying to teach our counselors and our teachers across the state. So, last question, Governor, and and this is what I really want to know. Um, 
I think you, through your uh, budget process and your funding, funding priorities for education, have tried to address this. But what advice would you give to other governors who are trying to balance the educational needs of their urban communities and the rural communities? How do you balance that and what kind of advice would you give? Well, most states have a uh, kind of an equalization formula. So we try to fund per student the same way. We, we, we actually adjusted a little bit for some of the rural schools. We adjusted a little bit for special needs or, uh, you know, free and reduced lunch children. So we will actually, uh, you know, we have, we wait that funding formula for certain things, but just recently we've set up a red bud funding to actually give more money to the rural schools, uh, to make sure that we can kind of balance that. Uh, but the other thing is giving kids options and more schools and more parents' choice. Because if you're in a failing school, whether it's a rural school or whether it's an inner city school, I don't want to trap a kid in that school. I want to give parents the option to transfer to a Christian school, to a Catholic school, to a charter school, to an aviation school. I believe more schools are good for parents. It's good for consumers. And what, you, what you're going to find over time is if you're in a failing school and we give parents an option to get their kids out, that failing school is going to have to reorganize. They're going to have to do something different to attract kids to come back to that school. And that's a good thing. It's injecting competition into this bureaucracy in education that sometimes can get a little stale and stagnant over time. So that's kind of how we're handling it. Uh, we don't have all the answers for sure, uh, but I think it's a, it's a balance. And at the end of the day, Giving, putting parents back in charge of their kids' education is the first thing that we can do as governors. Governor Kevin Stitt, I appreciate your time and thank you for joining us on What I Want to Know. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be with you. Thanks for listening to What I Want to Know. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app so you can explore other episodes and dive into our discussions on the future of education and write a review of the show. I also encourage you to join the conversation and let me know what you want to know using hashtag WIWTK on social media. That's hashtag WIWTK. For more information on Stride and online education, visit stridelearning.com. I'm your host, Kevin P. Chavis. Thank you for joining What I Want to Know.